Welcome to the Center Branch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. So last week we started a series that is called Never Alone. I didn't even have to look at the screen. I remember that from three minutes ago. It's called Never, Never Alone. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit who he is, his ministry in our, in our lives. Last week we said that the Holy Spirit is important. He, he's, he's often just kind of relegated, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and then, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit kind of comes some distant, distant third. But the Holy Spirit is God. He is a member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's a strategy of the enemy to bring confusion and doubt and a lack of clarity and people distance themselves from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's a strategy of the enemy because the Holy Spirit is the, the part of the Godhead that is active in our lives and the world today. God the Father, God the Son are both in heaven. The Holy Spirit has been sent to be with us, to strengthen us, to lead us, to, to guide us. And so we, we looked at John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to send you another helper, another strengthener, and he will abide with you forever. So we're going to talk about different aspects of his ministry. But last week, what we really focused on was just the fact that he's, he's with us, the presence of God. He's made us the temple of the Holy Spirit. He abides with us forever. The Holy Spirit isn't just for revival services and altar time, that we can walk in constant fellowship. In fact, we looked at that, the last verse of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship, the koinonia, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's not just a salutation, that's highlighting a key aspect of each member of the Trinity. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, fellowship, relationship, community, that we can, we can walk in communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, don't you realize that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you, don't you realize it? So that lets us know it's possible that you and I can be the temple of the Holy Spirit and not even be aware of it. And if we're not aware of it, we squander all the blessings that goes, goes with it. The fact that the, the Corinthian church didn't know, they didn't realize that they were the temple of the Holy Spirit, it was affecting their life. It was affecting their relationships. It was affecting their, their behavior. So for you and I, we've we got to walk with an awareness to acknowledge him in all of our ways, to live in communion, to live in fellowship, to talk with the Holy Spirit, to enjoy, to enjoy his presence. And the fact that you are never alone, that you carry the presence of God, that is enormously significant. It's not just, you know, that, what a pleasant thought. Have you ever thought of God's always, he's here. It, it's so much more than that. The, you, the presence of God. We looked at examples from, from the Old Testament. When people carried the presence of God and they knew it, man, it set them in a different category of, of human being. When Moses was talking with, with God at the burning bush and God was saying, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You're going to lead them out, take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses says, who am I? And how can I do this stuff that you're, you're telling me about? And this is like overwhelming. They've been slaves for 430 years. Just go back and tell the king, hey, we're out of here. I, I, you, I can't do that. And when God begins to respond, hey, who am I? How can I do this? The first thing God says is, I'll, I'll be with you. I'm, I'm going to be with you. The fact that God was going to be with him gave him boldness, gave him courage, gave him confidence in success. We looked at a few passages from the life of, of Joseph. 
in the, in the life of Joseph, multiple times it says, and God was with Joseph. So as a result, because God's presence was with him, he succeeded in everything that he did. If you know that God's presence is with you, you walk in fellowship. You know, man, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Man, it changes life. It, cha- it changes the favor you walk in, the doors that open, the doors that close, the, the way that you relate to people, the way that you approach challenges and successes. We, we looked at multiple examples, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, how Dagon fell, fell down and his head and arms busted off because the presence of God, the attacks of the enemy, they, they, they fall at the presence of God. You, you, you carry that. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I carry that. That, that makes things different. But again, it, if you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but you're ignorant of it or you're disengaged, you can live like a regular person. But that's not what we're going to do, amen? We're going to live with an awareness, a fellowship, acknowledging him in all of our ways. Let, let, me, let me read you this from Exodus chapter 33. This is, this is Moses and God having a conversation. Moses is speaking. Exodus 33, verse 15. Then he said to him, this is Moses saying to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Moses understood that when you've got God with you, when you have his presence, it separates you. It, another translation says it distinguishes you from everyone else. Everyone else, there's everyone else on the face of the planet and then those of us who have God with us, his, his presence in our lives. It is a distinguishing characteristic. It is, a, it is an enormous deal. And he says, if your presence do, doesn't go with us, then, then don't even bother bringing us out of here. That that's the kind of attitude, the kind of heart that you and I need to have, that we want to have as a church that when it comes to the presence of God, we, you can't, uh, his presence, no presence, whatever. It was a nice service. It was a nice day. No, I've got to have the presence of God. It's a must. I, I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. I've got to have the presence of God. We're pressing in. We've got to experience God's presence. People need to have an encounter with the presence of God. Amen? Yeah. You know, he's, he's in the wilderness when he's having this conversation. And God's saying, hey, just go ahead. Where, where he was sending them off to, where were they headed? Promised land, thank you, holy moly. They're, they're on their way to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? That, so the, the, the options are basically paradise, homes you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, wells that you didn't dig, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Moses wasn't like, man, that sounds amazing. All right, here we go. God, you sure you don't want to come with us? Okay, well, whatever, have it your way. No, it's, if, it, if it comes to having your presence or not having your presence, I'll, I'll forego the promised land. I'll stay here in a barren wasteland. If this is where your presence is, I'd rather have a desert where there's not enough to eat, where there's nothing to drink, where people are complaining because of how dry and how difficult it is. If this is where your presence is, I choose a wasteland over a promised land because I just want your presence. That, that's the kind of attitude that we have to have. Whatever, whatever pleasure, whatever experience, whatever delight, if it separates me from the presence of God, thanks but no thanks. I want God's presence more than anything else. And that's what God responds to. People that are hungry, people that are thirsty, people that are desirous. Amen. That, that's what God responds to. That's what he responds to. That's not just 
Exodus 33 language this morning. God goes where he is desired. You see that throughout the word of God. You'll search for me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, which we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks. It says to covet them, earn, to desire, not, not just to think they're cool, not just to think they're all right, to covet them earnestly. So when it comes to the things of, of the, the Spirit of God, there's got to be a desire. God's moving in our church. But as soon as we say, hey, that's good, then we've capped out. You know, Pastor Josiah and I were talking about what, what God is doing and the momentum. And we want, we want it to keep going. Like in the book of Ezekiel, when they're walking in the water, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. And to get to the point where it's, let, let's keep going. Ankle deep's awesome, but there's knee deep. Knee deep's great, but there, there's waist deep. That we've got, we've got to keep on going. And as soon as we say, man, knee deep is awesome. We love it here then that's, that's where we're going to stay. There's got to be a, a desire for more. Yes. And so I, I want to I look at some aspects of the Holy Spirit, different aspects of his ministry. We'll touch on a few, and then we'll focus on one, and we'll, we'll pray here in a few minutes. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 mentions several different aspects of the Holy Spirit and his ministry in our lives. We'll start reading at verse nine. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So we'll keep reading, but we'll pause right there. So one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is salvation. That when somebody comes to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit is active and working in, in their life. You, you see it in multiple passages. In Titus chapter three, it talks about that, that the Holy Spirit is the one that brings new life. Yeah. Really, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. When, the, when there's a, talks about the doctrine of baptisms, three baptisms, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Yeah. A fellow believer baptizes us in water yeah. for, for forgiveness of sins. Yeah. And Jesus is the one who baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, the Holy Spirit brings us into the, the body of Christ. He's working and active in the life of a believer. It says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit working in your life, you're not even his. You're not, you don't even belong to the Lord. So if you're saved, if you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit's already doing a work in your life. Let me skip down a few verses. Verse 15, Romans 8, 15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. It's talking about when you come to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of adoption that brings us into the family of God. That, that makes it so you and I can cry out, Abba Father, Abba, Daddy. Daddy, he's, that's the kind of relationship we can have with God. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of adoption. You know, we've, we say it often, not everybody is a child of God. When, when people say, how many know we're all God's children? That's not true. We're all God's creation. It requires a work of the Holy Spirit to bring you into the family of God. Once you know Jesus, the spirit of adoption brings you in, and now you can cry out, Abba, Father, because up until that point, he's, he's not your father. You, have, you haven't been adopted. So it's a ministry of the Holy Spirit 
Verse 16, it says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I, I refer to this verse almost every single Sunday when we give an opportunity for people to get saved. This is, this is the verse that I'm, I'm talking about. I'll reference it here in a few minutes. Give people an opportunity to accept Jesus or recommit their lives to serving Jesus. It says that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, affirms or bears witness with our spirit. He confirms, he lets us know that we are children of God. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit, to let people know I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm in, I'm in the family. A knowing, an inner knowing. Your spirit, that's the deepest part of you. That's the real you down on the inside. And the Holy Spirit affirms, testifies, communicates with your spirit that you are a child of God. If you don't have that knowing on the inside, then I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a, a few minutes to accept Jesus or recommit your life to serving him so you can have that, that ministry, that spirit of adoption affirming. You're, you're a son of God. You're, you're a daughter of God. Life is, life is difficult. It's unenjoyable without that knowing that I'm in right relationship with God. Let's back, back up to verse 10. It says, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, there's a lot that he said there about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me highlight a couple of things. He says that the spirit, the spirit makes us alive, that the spirit brings life. The Spirit activates. The King James Version says that the Spirit quickens. He quickens. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead ministers in us, and he makes us alive. So there's, there's an aspect of making alive where you go from dead to alive, obviously. But there's another aspect of being made alive where it's like you get invigorated, yeah. yes. activated. Yes. You know, if you've ever been hanging out with friends and you're sitting around at dinner or having a cup of coffee and you're all talking and there's one person who's not really engaged. They're just kind of a wallflower. They're just there sipping their coffee or, or, or whatever. And then once a certain topic comes up, it's like, man, then they, once you start talking about NASCAR, once you start talking about turkey hunting, you know, whatever it is, all of a sudden Steve's eyes light up and now, man, you, you could say something like, man, well, you, you're like hardly even here. And then once we start talking about NASCAR, it's like, man, you, you really came alive, right? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that he was dead up until that point. Steve's there with like little X's over his eyes and just like, like a, but something happened. He got invigorated. He, he was alive, but there was like a new level of engagement and, and like you see it in sports. You know, sometimes that team, they, they were just kind of flat and then, man, something happened in the fourth quarter. It was like they just came alive, right? We, we use that kind of language. This is talking about a ministry of the Holy Spirit that he makes alive. Yeah. He, he quickens. Yeah. Things, things that are already active and present, he can breathe on them and it can, it can invigorate, activate. It's not that you don't have hope. It's not that you don't have joy. It's not that you don't have peace, but one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that 
that he can activate, invigorate, cause those things to come alive, which like, you've, you've experienced that, different things that you, I mean, yeah, I've got the peace of God, thank you, thank God for his peace. And then it's like, man, the peace of God is just like, it's overwhelming, right? Anyone know what I mean? That, that's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. He quickens, he quickens, and he makes alive. I like that word quicken. It's like it, it picks up the pace. It quickens. You know, it's like, hey, man, you were running that race and that last lap, that last quarter mile, you really came alive. You picked up the pace. You really started moving. I believe that's, that's a ministry of the Holy Spirit that you can experience this morning. There are areas in your life that need to be quickened. It's not happening fast enough. You, you need the quickening presence. It, it needs to come alive in a new way. You need to make up some lost time, make up some lost ground. That, that's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. He quickens. He quickens. When, when Beth and I first got married, uh, we got a dog, a little Boston Terrier, and we're first-time pet owners. The dog's fingernails, toenails started growing, and we had to cut. You know, you got to clip the dog's nails. We didn't have the necessary equipment because you can't clip a dog's toenails with like regular toenail clippers, right? Because they're so big and thick. Uh, you got to so you know get like special toenail clippers. And so we went to the pet store because I mean it's like heavy duty. You know, you got to squeeze it down, which was a good investment for us anyway. We were looking for something to cut my wife's toenails. So it was like a, it was a you know, one way or another, we're going to have to. <laughs> so so, so we're, we're, we're our, our dog's name was Zeb. So we, we got dog for some, uh, Zeb, some, for some reason we're doing it in the kitchen and we're reading the instructions on these clippers. And it says, as you're clipping your dog's toenails, don't, uh, don't clip into the quick, into the quick, right? So there's part of the nail that's dead. You can clip it off, no big deal. Part of the nail that's not dead, and it's called, it's called the quick. Well, we messed up, and we, we, we cut the quick, and, I mean, it looked like a murder scene. There, there was blood all over the place. That dog's bleeding out in our kitchen through a, through a toenail because we, we hit the quick, and the quick is where there's life. Right? The quick is where the, the dog was okay. After a couple blood transfusions, he, he pulled through. <laughs> I gave him a couple pints of my blood. He, he, was, he was fine. But the, the quick, it's the a, it's a same root word there, where there's, where there's a life. And you know what? When there's life, what we found out, where there's life, there's a flow. There, 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 there is a flow. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Areas of your life that feel stagnant. It feels like, man, it just feels like in my, in, it's, like a, it's like a swamp. Listen, the Holy Spirit can minister to you this morning and, and break that through and bring light. He quickens and makes alive. That there can, be, there can be flow. I just feel like I've stalled out. I feel like I was doing so good. Now it's, it's just a stagnant in my relationship relationship, stagnant in my ministry, stagnant in my career, stagnant in my business. The, the Holy Spirit quickens and makes alive. Man, I just feel like I haven't been, been moving forward anymore. Well, that, that can change this morning. I really believe that. I, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to quicken some people this morning. He's going to quicken and make alive certain areas that feel like I, I've, I've stalled out. You, you don't have to stall out because we have the Holy Spirit and he quickens and he, and he makes alive. Then it says in verse 13, Verse 13, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, yeah. you will live. Yes. The, the King James Version says, mortify, mortify. Yes. mortify. If you mortify by, by the spirit to, to kill. Did you know that's a ministry of the Holy Spirit as well? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 
He quickens and makes alive, and he mortifies and he kills. Some things in your life need stirred up and breathed on and made alive, made invigorated alive, and some things need, need to die. Did you know the Holy Spirit, one of his ministries, is to help kill sinful desires in your life? You can invite the Holy Spirit. I, I need this thing put to death. And I know, I know there's people in this room, myself included, you've, you've experienced that. Things that you used to not be able to stop doing because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, now somebody couldn't, they couldn't talk you into it. Right, different areas of sin. I mean, I, I want to stop. I just can't stop, fill in the blank. The Holy Spirit does a work in your life. Yeah, no thanks. Because that's died. It, that, that desire, it's been mortified. The Holy Spirit killed it. You can't appeal to something that's dead. You know, even, hey, no one will find out. I don't, I don't care. I just, I, I don't have the desire. The Holy Spirit killed it. If you need certain things put to death this morning, the Holy Spirit can do that in your life. It doesn't have to be an ongoing struggle, man. I'm just always getting beat up in this area. You can invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need this thing put to death. It's your, I, I read in your word that by the Holy Spirit, I can mortify this lust, this pride, this, this greed, whatever it is. Holy Spirit, come and mortify this in me. Kill it. I want it, I want it gone. That's a ministry of, of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Whose image? Into the image of the Lord. I'm being transformed. You're being transformed. How? Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit's working in us, wants to work in you, to make you more and more transformed into the image of Jesus. You, you become just like Jesus. That's the ministry of, of the Holy Spirit. That was verse 13. Verse 14 talks about being led by the Holy Spirit to be led by God's Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, which is important for believers. In fact, listen to this verse. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's a distinguishing characteristic of sons of God. What? They're led. They're led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps them, guides them, directs them. We're going to talk about that next week. I want to take the last little bit of time that we have together and talk about something significant that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer that we refer to as baptism in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a second subsequent work to salvation, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is, it is significant. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples to wait for the promise of, of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a second work. So I'll give you a couple of proofs. There's lots that we could look at because sometimes people, hey, I've got the Holy Spirit, I'm good, or they hear different teachings on once you get saved, then you've got all the Holy Spirit that, that you ever, ever need in different viewpoints on that. But biblically, there, there's so many examples of how there is the initial work of the Holy Spirit and then a second filling baptism to overflow of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. John 14 that we read last week says he's with you, but he will be, he will be in you. Jesus, as an example, you know, Jesus... Jesus was born by the Spirit. That's right. 
right? He was born of the Spirit. When, when the angel came to Mary and said, hey, you're going to have a son, and she was like, what do you mean? I'm a, I'm a virgin. He says, the, the Spirit of God's going to come upon you. So in that sense, Jesus was born of the Spirit, but then there was a point in his life where the Holy Spirit came upon him in a different, in a different way, and he began, he began his public ministry. Luke chapter 11 Verse 13, Jesus says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's an interesting thing to say. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Well, what we just said a minute ago is not, not everyone is a child of God, right? He's not everyone's father. Who, whose father is he? Those who have accepted Jesus, who have accepted that initial work of the Holy Spirit, are you with me? Right? So if he's your father, that means the Holy Spirit's already active in your life. So how is he talking about asking the father to give me the Holy Spirit if when he became my father, I already had all the Holy Spirit? There must be something more after I know that the spirit of adoption, a second work that I can ask my, my heavenly father, he's my father now, that I can ask him for the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you with me? Yes. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says that the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. That means you've got to come out of the world through Jesus, and then you are eligible to receive the promise of the Father, baptism in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 4, starting verse 13, Jesus answered, this is when Jesus is interacting with the woman at the well. I'm just, I'm just giving a few different proofs here. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus is talking about what? Ultimately, eternal life. So he's talking about salvation. He's talking about water, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit. We sang it this morning. Your spirit's like water. We, we get that from the Bible. It become a well of water springing up to eternal life. So there's the picture of the Holy Spirit's work being a well in someone's life, resulting in eternal life. But a couple of chapters later in John chapter 7, verses 36 through 39, Jesus, so on the, the, the final day, the climax of the feast, Jesus stands up and calls out, if anyone is thirsty, they can come to me and drink. Waters of, of living, living water will flow from their belly. And it lets us know he was talking about the Holy Spirit who hadn't been given yet because he hadn't ascended to the Father. So it went from a well in one situation to eternal life to rivers, rivers of living water flowing out from somebody, not just for me, my well for eternal life, rivers flowing out of me for other people. It's, it's a second work of the, of the Holy Spirit in, in a believer's life. We can go through the book of Acts if we wanted to take the time to do it. And you can see repeatedly that there were people that knew Jesus, had they were, they, they had accepted him as savior. They were believers, but then there was a second work, Acts chapter 19. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit when Paul went to Ephesus. And so there was a second work of being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit, biblically, it's not optional. It's not something just for people that are, are you know, off the deep end. It's something that Jesus instructed, commanded, yes commanded his, his disciples to, to receive the bat. It's not a denominational thing, you know, uh, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit unless you're Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or something like that, then you're off the hook. It's not a denominational thing. It's not, it's not just for extreme people. You know, it, 
It's interesting to me that extreme is like good in almost every other area of life other than in church. And we use the word extreme in church and it's like a negative thing. Think about all the way, places you see the word extreme. and it's, I saw extreme Doritos. <laughs> right on the bag, extreme. That was a good thing. These Doritos are, I, I saw uh, Sour Patch Kids that were extreme, right? <laughs> Pregnant lady says amen to Sour Patch Kids. Uh, there, there was extreme home makeover. I mean, all these different areas were like, extreme is awesome, extreme is great. Those just aren't regular Sour Patch Kids. They are extreme, whatever, whatever that means. But when it comes to the things of God, you put the label extreme on, all of a sudden it's like a negative, yeah, I don't want to be extreme. You, you, you can't be extreme with the things of God. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. When it says don't be drunk with wine, the King James Version says, wherein there is excess. That, that means you can, you can go too far with wine. If you're going to insist on having a glass of wine, be careful because there is a lot. You can cross a line. There, there is excess, but it doesn't give that caution when it comes to the Holy Spirit because there isn't excess. There isn't too much. There isn't you've gone too far in the things of God. That there's always higher up and further in. There, there's always more. There's always better. There's always, there's always deeper. That we want to be extreme. And so when it comes to baptism in the Holy Spirit, the, the church today has left that as like some side option. If you really want to get carried away, let's kind of downplay it. When Jesus talked about baptism being filled with the Holy Spirit, it was a major point of emphasis. Not like, hey, if you, you know, this might be cool if you're into it. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That word to stay is in the imperative. He's commanding them. If you read Acts chapter one, I believe it's, it's verse four. It says he commanded them. It lets us know he commanded them. Wait for the Holy Spirit. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't suggestive. It wasn't just some kind of side thing. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to, to make people, to make it more palatable or for whatever, whatever reason in people's minds, they've played down being filled with the Holy Spirit as something that you can take it or leave it. It's kind of, you know, I, either way is fine. And, and people that do believe in the Holy Spirit, keep it to themselves. That's not what we see in the Bible. And, and Acts chapter 19 that I referenced a minute ago, when Paul met the believers in Ephesus, the first question he met, he asked them, once he knew they were believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I mean, it, it was right up front. This is, this is enormously important that you are filled with the Spirit of God, filled to overflow, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then on the day of Pentecost, we see that it, it was for everyone. Everyone in the upper room received. It wasn't just selected. You know, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. All 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. When, when Peter went out and he began to preach, people thought he was drunk. When he got done, when he got done preaching, there was people that said, what, what, what should we do? What are we supposed to do? And he said, repent, be, be baptized, and be filled, receive the Holy, Holy Spirit. That 3,000 3, people, it was for everyone. He wasn't saying, okay, we'll divide you up. Some of you, those of you who want to be Pentecostal and kind of into that. It was instruction for those believers. Here's what you need to do. Repent, get baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit across the board. It was for everyone. And everyone that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was evidence of speaking in tongues. And again, we could go through the book of Acts from Acts chapter two all the way through. Everyone that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was evidence of speaking in tongues evidence of speaking in other tongues. 
So you can, you can overemphasize. That's not the right word. You can, you can focus on speaking in tongues and make a mistake at excluding other things. Yes. And, and people can make speaking in tongues like that is the Holy Spirit or that's all that there is. You know, it's just about speaking in, in other tongues. So you can, I don't want to say overemphasize, but you can, you can uh, focus at the neglect of other things and misrepresent speaking in tongues. So I understand there's a danger in that, but you can also, you can also devalue speaking in other tongues. This amazing, wonderful, yes. precious yes. gift that God has, has given everyone who's willing to receive it, the ability to pray in other tongues. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. So there's way more to it, way more to the Holy Spirit, way more to baptism in the Holy Spirit than just speaking in tongues. But speaking in tongues is a wonderful, wonderful gift that, that we shouldn't devalue and push, push to the periphery. It, it's, a, it's a gateway to the other gifts of the Holy Spirit and flowing in the Holy Spirit and the other ministries of the Holy Spirit, which we'll, we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks but I want to take a couple of minutes and talk about how wonderful speaking in other tongues is in the life of a believer. Yes. And again, you see all the way through everyone that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's amazing that God gave us an ability to pray in other tongues that you can yield your tongue to the Lord. Yes. I mean, think about that. You know, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. And you can yield that power to, to the Spirit of God. Even think about what we just talked about, that the Holy Spirit does what? He quickens some things and makes them alive. And other things, he mortifies and kills. The power of life and the power of death is in the tongue. And you can yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit by praying in other tongues. And he knows what things, man, that needs life ministered to it. That needs quickened and stirred up in, in your life, in your, in, your, in your heart. Those things need put to death. I, can, I, I might not even know. This thing needs cut off. This thing needs I can yield that power of life and death that my tongue inherently has to the Spirit of God, and He can operate. I can loose life and death. Holy Spirit, just do your thing. Use the power that I have as a, as a person on the earth today, and let it let it flow in my life. Amen. You know, in the book of James, it says that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship, or like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's like a steering wheel. That you can yield control. Yes. Lord, steer my life. But if, if, my, if what comes out of my mouth actually changes and affects the course of my life, how powerful right. to yield that to the Holy Spirit. Yes. They, the, it's the rudder. I'm, I'm fighting some terrible Jesus take the wheel joke here. So, <laughs> Sorry. I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> It's about as close as you can get. It's, it's, the rudder, it's the rudder of the ship of your life. Yes. In a ministry of the Holy Spirit, I can, pray, I can yield my tongue yes. to the Spirit, yes. to the Spirit of God. Yes. Jude chapter 20. Let me, let me just hit a few benefits. I just want to stir up more, more desire. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, say, man, I'm going to start leaning in. To, so, you know, some people get prayed, filled with the Holy Spirit and they go weeks without praying in the Holy Spirit. They squander this, this, powerful, this powerful gift. Or some people, it freaks them out. Like, why in the world would I just say words I, I don't understand? And so they, they avoid the whole thing. It scares them. It, it's weird. There, there is something about, 
even, even that, what we talked about earlier, that river, walking, ankle, knee, there's a point where it gets over his head. Uh, Pastor Jonathan, when he's talking about humbling yourself before the Lord, something about praying in other tongues, it, it humbles you. There's a humility there, Lord. Amen? To, to take that step. So it, over your head, Lord, it's not about me always being in control. I'm yielding myself to you. So I want to stir up a desire, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, that you leave here today, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's the way Peter presented it. Repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. So they're like, hey, maybe this is the day. If it's not, maybe another time. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. If you know Jesus, you can receive the Holy Spirit. Peter spoke in a way that stirred up faith in people to, to receive, not like it was a roll of the dice. Maybe you get filled. Maybe you want. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, it's yours today if you want to have it. And for the rest of us, a fresh infilling, a quickening of what needs quickened, a mortifying of what needs mortifying. But before we do that, let's look, take a look at a, a few benefits of praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude, verse 20. Yes. It says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy, in the holy Spirit. It goes along with 1 Corinthians 14, 4. It says, When someone prays in the Holy Spirit, they edify edify themselves. They build themselves up. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are strengthening. You are, are building yourselves up. You know, it's important that you build yourself up, one for you, but also so that you can minister to other people. You, we need people that are built up so that we can build other people up. So that you're, you're not always the one shuffling in and just needing someone an encouraging word. If that's you, we want to encourage you. But beyond that, we want to get you to a point where you're the one doing the encouraging. you got to build yourself up so you can be a builder of other people. Build, build yourself up in your most holy faith. You edify, edify, build up. You know, I was, I was just on a, on a trip this past week. And I was in a, a hotel, a building that was really tall. I was up on like the 63rd floor. And I was looking out the window. And the, the, view, the view was amazing. When you're way up like that, that was, that's an edifice. It's something that's been built up, right? Somebody built it up. And because I was up where, where something had been built, edified, you know, it changes perspective. There were some things that I thought were, were big. But as I'm looking out of this window, it wasn't that big things actually small. I, th I thought that was really big down there. There were some things that I couldn't see before, but I could see them now. I had different perspective. I didn't, I didn't know there was one of those. I didn't know there was uh, usually restaurants in this case. I didn't, oh, I didn't know there was, there was that. So when, you, when you're built up, when you're edified in your faith, built up in the Holy Spirit, it changes perspective. Some things in your life that seem like a big deal, so I, I know some of you have experienced that. When you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, Amen. Man, I've got this challenge. This is going on. I don't know what I'm going to do. You start praying in the Holy Ghost. You start using your prayer language. Five minutes in, 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in. That thing doesn't seem like such a big deal. Your perspective has changed. I thought that was so big. Now I see it's actually very little. It's not a big deal at all. It's easy for me to come over. It's easy for me to deal with that. Because
because I've been built up, edified in the Holy Spirit. How? By praying in the Holy Ghost. There's other things you didn't even know that they were available to you. That you didn't even know that they were yours. You didn't even know that they were around. But as you build yourself up, you see, I mean, I've got access to things. You start gaining insight and understanding in the Word of God. Fresh perspective. Why? Because you've built yourself up and it changes your, changes your vantage point. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You know, one of the ways you keep yourselves in the love of God is by praying in the Holy Spirit that you keep yourself in love with God and keep yourself aware of God's love for you. You know, sometimes when I wake up, I don't, I don't feel like I love God very much. I feel like I love bed. I love blankets. I love coffee. I don't, I don't feel a whole lot of love for God. Are we not allowed to be honest? Right. Anyone ever wake up like that and you don't you know, come dancing out of the bed with a tambourine. Sometimes I, I wake up and I'm just like, man, you know what? I'd rather go back to bed if I'm being honest. But if I can get alone and start praying in the Holy Spirit, I can go from pretty indifferent towards the things of God to loving God. Why? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Just what he says here. Keep yourselves in love with God. Praying in, the, praying in the Holy Spirit. It's important that you love God. It's important that you keep yourself. To keep yourself. To preserve yourself. To keep yourself from going bad. That's what that word means. To preserve. Like, 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 a, like a food. To keep it from rotting. Some people in their walk with God, it goes bad. It spoils. It turns. Why? Because they didn't keep. The love of God preserves people keeps them from going bad. And one of the ways you keep yourself in the love of God is praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself aware of how much God loves you. Romans chapter five, verse five, talks about the love of God that has been shed abroad in our heart. How? By the Holy Spirit. It's a ministry of the Holy Spirit to reveal the love of God and to shed the, the love of God abroad in our heart. God, I love you. I love you so much. And that be genuine, just overflowing from your heart. How do you get to that point? One of the ways is by praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Let me just give you one or two more benefits of praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're speaking mysteries. Talking, you can get revelation, understanding, talking about mysterious things. And it says, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're not talking to man, you're talking to God. And there's a level of intimacy. When it's just one-on-one -on -one communication. It's not for anybody else. You know, if, if I saw someone talking to my wife, we're out in the lobby later, and there's some man whispering to my wife, uh, what, is, what is going on there? It might slide the first time, Two or three times, some man like whispering to my wife, oh, okay, what's going on? What, why, why is this man whispering in my wife's ear? I can assure you, if, if some woman was whispering in my ear, they probably wouldn't make it to the second or, or, or third time. Why? Because you start whispering to somebody, that private communication, it doesn't even have to be whispering. If, 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 uh, if someone passed my wife a note and said, for Beth's eyes only. <laughs> what the? I don't think, you know. 
right? That's going to bother because once it's private communication, it communicates a level of intimacy, right? So when, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the person doesn't speak to men. I'm not talking to you. This is, this is between me and God only. You develop intimacy with the Lord. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, man, there's an intimacy. There's a closeness that I can express myself to God in, in ways I can't express myself to anyone the way I express myself to God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a closeness. Man, you, you draw close to God. You grow more intimate. The fellowship that we talk about, you grow in that fellowship with the Holy Spirit when, when you pray in other tongues. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8 try to wrap it up where we started. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit also, and we start reading in the beginning of chapter eight, just listing benefits of the Holy Spirit. He's given another, the Spirit also, this is another area he helps us. He also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. You know, it's one of the inherent weaknesses of being a person. You don't know how to pray good. That's what it says. You don't, you, you don't really, how flowery, how religious it sounds when you pray, you don't really know how to communicate with God properly. But the Holy Spirit helps us in that weakness, in that shortcoming that all of us have, that I, I can pray in the Holy Spirit, things, things that I can't express. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray for. You can, you can begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. And it says that he knows and you can pray the very will of God. Sometimes there's things that you feel so deep. There's desires you have that you just run out of words. God, I want it so bad. I want to see this happen so bad. There's only so many times I can say please. There's only so many times, ways I can express myself. I can launch off in tongues and I'm expressing with groanings. I'm expressing something that is deeper and further and more accurate than anything I could conjure up with the English language, because I'm praying the very will of God. It combines my heart and the heart of the Holy Spirit, and I'm giving him permission to pray through me. Man, praying in the Holy Spirit is amazing. And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you, make use of that gift often, often. I, I mean like at, at least every day, several times a day. Take 10, 15, 20 minutes. When's the last time you prayed in the Holy Spirit for half an hour straight? And you, you, you push past the devil telling you how dumb it is. You know how silly you sound. Man, I think that's the same thing. You're just saying the same word over and over. All that, all that arguing, it's, it, you're, I mean, I'm in over my head. I'm, I'm in over my head. I've pressed past wasting. I'm in over my head. So it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't have to make sense here. That's part of it. Just to pray in the Holy Ghost. All these benefits, and this isn't an exhaustive list. I'm just trying to stir up a desire. And if you're here today and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why, why not receive? Why not step into this and allow that flow, allow them to quicken the, the flow of the Holy Spirit, not just a well to eternal life. If you need to accept Jesus, let's do that. But let's not stop there. Why not, why not also have rivers of living water flowing from you to be a benefit to other people that you can make impact for the kingdom of God? Ephesians chapter 8, I promise this will be the, Ephesians chapter 5, last verse I read. Verse 18, it's for those of us that have already been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting how often those things are paralleled. Being under the influence of wine. On the day of Pentecost, they, they said, that, hey, these men are not drunk as you supposed. They, they were behaving in a way, a level of freedom, a level of joy, the way they were acting. People just assume, okay, drunk. These guys are drunk. I know what's going on here. No, it's not what you suppose. And here he's saying, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there, there's a comparison there. How many of you have ever been drunk? Okay. <laughs> How many of you are drunk right now? <laughs> Ushers. Okay, so there's a difference. There's a difference. I've been drunk before. I'm not drunk now. Right? So having been drunk, what I was under the influence of when I was drunk, I'm not under the influence of it anymore. And so he goes straight from that kind of thinking, that kind of analogy, to tell people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit to be, be filled. Be filled. Be being filled. Keep a, it, Awesome that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit at youth camp when you were in eighth grade. Praise God for that. But are you filled now? Just because you were filled doesn't mean that you are filled. Thing, things that fill us, things that fill us, we need to be filled every day. Give us today our daily bread. Salvation, you don't need to get saved every day. But things, that I need to be filled with God's word. Things that, things that are filling from God, it's a daily, it's a daily occurrence. Give me today my daily bread. I need filled every day. You need to keep yourself full. Be being filled. Acts chapter 4. The same group of people that were there on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 were filled. Again, so it's not a one-time thing. It's not, hey, once, just like you were, were drunk once. It didn't, it didn't last forever. You've got to keep yourself filled with the Holy Spirit. And so for those of us that have experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit, praise God for, are you still filled? Be being filled. Keep that flow going. And one of the ways is to keep yourself praying in the Holy Ghost, to keep that pump primed and allow other gifts to begin to flow out, out of the flow of that one, which again, we'll get into in a couple of weeks. So two things, well, more than that, but for right now, two things. If you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let today be the day you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Repent, get right with Jesus. If you're right with Jesus, the next step, receive the Holy Spirit, receive. So in just a couple of minutes, if you know Jesus, I'm gonna invite you forward and pray with you. And I, I want you to pray. And, and I want you to pray just very simple. Thank God for saving you. God, I thank you that you saved me. Thank you for salvation. But I see in your word that there's more. I can be filled with your spirit. And so I'm asking you, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me. I want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit. Fill me. And then begin to thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you filled me. Thank you that you filled me. Just take, take that step of faith and just begin to thank God. And then I want you to take another step of faith and just start to speak whatever syllables come up. Take a step of faith. Leave English behind and just launch out into the deep. Just start, just start speaking. Let it come up from your spirit. Your mind will fight it. That's part of it. Learn to, to allow the spirit of God to yield. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 
You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.